doesn't hate families. They were his idea. In the beginning, when he created all things, he didn't just create a million individual persons and scatter them over the face of the earth. He created a man and a woman joined in marriage and said, make a family, have children. And they did. But what Jesus does hate is idols, false gods, which by catechetical definition is anything or anyone in this world that you fear, love, or trust in more than God. And that can include the family. We thank God for families, even when they are broken, difficult, or a struggle. He still blesses us through them. But if family comes before God, that's not good. If we sacrifice God for family because we don't want to make waves or because we're trying to make our family like a Norman Rockwell portrait, we've erred, we've sinned, we need to repent. But it's not just that. Sometimes bringing God into our families will cause friction or division. If someone in the family, a parent or a child, is going against the truth of God's word or living at variance with God's truth, standing on God's word can cause division. For the sake of peace, maybe we remain silent but is gaining earthly peace for a time worth sacrificing heavenly peace for eternity? That's not what Jesus wants. Sin infects all things, us, our families, our relationships. Temptations abound. Life isn't easy. We shouldn't expect it to be. That's what Jesus has been teaching his disciples as he sends them out, as we've been thinking about these last few weeks. This isn't going to be easy. He doesn't blow smoke at them. He doesn't sugarcoat it, make it sound good. What they're doing is good, but not easy. And for us too. Jesus teaches us with hard sayings. And remember when you were in school, some of you still are? It wasn't the easy teachers that you learned the most from. It was from the tough ones, the ones we didn't like. So you won't find these words of Jesus that we heard today on any coffee mugs or little wooden signs to hang in your house or put on your desk. Imagine if you did. Nevertheless, we need to hear them, and we'll be better for them. But not just us. The people in Jeremiah's day had this problem as well. There were many prophets in Jeremiah's day. The problem was that a large majority of them, almost all of them in fact, except for a very few, were false prophets. Prophesying not the word of the Lord, but the thoughts and imaginations of their own minds, or saying just whatever the king and the people wanted to hear. 
This made them very popular, but not very good. And certainly displeasing in the sight of God, they were misleading the people into false belief, into security in their sin, and away from the one true God and his gifts. For you see, the problem is that if you don't know that you have a problem, then you won't seek a solution. If you don't think you have a drinking problem or a drug problem or a pornography problem or an anger problem or a stealing problem or whatever other problem you may have, you'll keep right on doing what you're doing. And you still might, even if you know you have a problem, because it's easier than changing, than getting help. But when you know you have a problem and you know you need help and to continue in this way, things are just going to get worse. Changing is hard, but good in the end to get the help that you need. And you and me, we need help. So Jesus won't be a prophet like in Jeremiah's day. So while the words that we heard today are difficult and challenging, we can give thanks that he speaks them. That Jesus will not tell us just what we want to hear, but instead expose our sin, our idolatry, our tendency to take the easy way instead of the right way, the selfish way instead of the good way. So that we'll repent and seek the help we need from him. That we not falsely believe that everything is okay. Or that the problem is him. Or her. Or them. I am the problem. I need to turn to Jesus. For the forgiveness, life, help, and saving I need. And that's the message the disciples were being sent out to preach. And they would preach, and they would be rejected for preaching it. They would heal, as we heard. That's great. They would cast out unclean spirits. That's really cool. They would preach repentance. Whoa. Don't go there. Stay in your lane. But Jesus is telling them that is your lane. When you are sick, you know you need healing. Those with unclean spirits need cleansing, and those with sin need forgiveness. Diagnose the problem and then apply the healing. Now, you can still stay home, not go to the doctor and die. You can do that. But Dr. Jesus doesn't want that for you. He wants you to live now and forever. So he sends you prophets. He sends you apostles. He sends you preachers. And through them he comes. As he says, with a sword. Or maybe to continue with the doctor's analogy here, with a scalpel. Now, in the wrong hands, like in the hands of a false prophet or a false teacher contradicting the word of God, a scalpel can do a lot of damage and can kill. But in the right hands, 
in the hands of a skilled surgeon, that same sword, that same scalpel can do a world of good and can heal. And the sword Jesus brings is the sword of His Spirit, the sword of His Word to expose our sin and restore us to health, spiritual health in Him. But to do that, Jesus just didn't come with a sword. He had that sword come down on Himself. For He said today, whoever does not take his cross and follow Me, follow Him who is bearing His cross, who took up his cross for you that you might live, who took up his cross to pay for your sin, to win your forgiveness. Follow him and his cross. The crosses we bear in our lives are nothing compared to that. And yet are we even unwilling to bear them? The cross of a sick or struggling spouse the cross of a difficult co-worker, the cross of a wayward child, the cross of being inconvenienced to help someone else, the cross of sacrificing myself for someone else. It's easy to choose the easy, isn't it? But whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life or refuses the cross, chooses the easy way, will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, taking up his cross, laying down his life for others, will find it. This is a critical game of lost and found, which is really no game at all. And the bottom line is, we lost. We are not worthy of Jesus. But once you know that diagnosis, the problem you have, the sin, sickness, then comes the solution, the cure. Jesus speaks next, not of condemnation for you, but of reward. The reward for receiving a prophet, one who speaks the word of God, or of a righteous person, one who believes the word of God. Surely those would be good rewards. <coughs> but the one he has for you is even better. Whoever receives you, he tells the disciples he is sending out to preach his word, receives me, Jesus says. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So on our own, we are unworthy and it's not even close. But when we who are unworthy, we who are sinners, receive and believe the preaching of Jesus, we receive him and his reward. And we receive the one who sent him, the Father. We become children of God. And get a family here. A family of faith. So by grace, 
For the Son of God coming into our world and laying down his life for us is pure grace. By grace and by faith, believing in him who came and did this for you, you receive him and his reward, the reward of the Son of God and all he earned and won for you, namely the forgiveness of all your sins, a place in the royal family, and a kingdom that will have no end. That is why we are baptized and have our children baptized to receive this reward. That is why we confess our sins to receive this gift. That is why we come and eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus to receive this gift. Not because we're worthy, but because we're not. Because we need this gift, this gift we could never get on our own but which is here for you by grace through faith. That's the message we need to hear. You don't come here to hear about making peace with the world. We tend to want to do that anyway to make our life easier. But making peace with a sinful world means getting along with a sinful world, means believing what they believe and say what they say and doing what they do. And in the end, losing your life. Instead, we hear here of the peace of God Jesus has made for us. And with this peace, we believe the word of Jesus and we say what he said and we do what he did. And so find our life. Not an easy life. It's a life under the cross. But while not easy, it is good and it is eternal. And then at the end, Jesus adds this little line. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple... Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now, the world is not going to notice this. Not think it a big deal. Might even think it's foolish and not worth the time. One of these little ones. Micros in the Greek. Why bother? But here Jesus is saying, if you're a father or a mother caring for your child a little one, he notices. And who are the others in our world today who could be considered little ones? Ones that get overlooked. Ones the world says doesn't matter. Ones that just get in the way. The poor, the lonely, the aged, the handicapped, the outcast, and who else? When you care for them, when you do as Jesus did, when you take up your cross and lay down your life for them, Jesus notices. And no matter what you give up, you receive even more. For you will by no means lose your reward. Your reward, which is his reward, given to you. So, some tough words from Jesus today, but some good ones too. Words of truth, words of life, words we need. 
So we come and receive not a prophet or a righteous person, but the Son of God himself, his body and blood. And so receive the Son of God's reward. Everlasting peace in an everlasting kingdom with an everlasting Father. And whatever else you need beyond that, He will provide. For He gives His little ones a cup of cold water too. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.